If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Saturday, the 12th of December. We are so glad you've joined us because today, today we get our year ender with one of my friends, great guest, financial advisor, certified financial planner, CPA, he doesn't do taxes anymore, the president and founder of Wealthstream Advisors, Michael Goodman. In the first part of our interview today, we are going to talk about all the things that are very specific to this wacky, strange dumpster fire of a year 2020, Roth conversions, quarterly payments, the tax implications of remote work, all those things we're going to cover. If you have a question or something comes up for you after you listen to this, please send us an email. It's askjill at jillonmoney.com. Here is the interview, Year Ender with Michael Goodman. Where should we start when we think about year-end moves to improve our financial conditions? Yeah, well, it's definitely been an interesting year. Uh, There's been a lot of challenges, no doubt. I think the first thing you want to think about is get out of that rhythm or mentality of same as last year. This Mm. is a year where it's really important to take stock and review and see what's been different this year for you in order to potentially put yourself in a better financial situation going forward. So for a lot of people, they may have had a bump down in their income and maybe one part of a couple lost some income. And so the, the, their total taxable income could be lower this year. So let's start with If you have lower income in 2020, are there some planning moves that you can make right now to take advantage of that? I think the first thing you want to do is that potential Roth conversion. If you have IRA assets, this might be a really good year to convert those IRA assets to a Roth IRA that amount of money that you convert will become taxable in 2020. And you want to take advantage of this lower income that you had such that with this additional income, you're still in a lower reasonable tax bracket. You want to make sure you've thought about what tax bracket will it put me in and does that make sense? Why is it so important that you have the money outside of retirement to pay the tax that's due when you do start that conversion process? using monies from outside of your retirement accounts to pay for the Roth conversion preserves and enhances that all the money that is in the IRA now goes into the Roth and you're not losing that benefit 
what if you made less money and you've had like too much money withheld for taxes? Is there something that you should be doing differently for next year, presuming your situation's going back to where it was? Should you just leave it where it was? What what should you do about your estimated taxes if you've made less this year? Well, if you've made less this year, the really good news is that you're going to get a nice refund probably come the spring. And I would recommend that you get on top of filing your taxes at a reasonably prompt fashion to get that refund. If you expect your income to go back up again to normal levels for 21, I probably wouldn't make any changes to my estimated payments because you don't want to get a big surprise at the end of next year that you owe money. But if you are um, self-employed, you may find yourself in a situation where you could not make your fourth quarter estimate. Maybe you don't need to, right? If you're making estimates on a quarterly basis, not with withholding, then you might not need to. But keep in mind that unemployment insurance income is taxable, and you need to make sure that you have enough withholding or monies paid in so that when you get your tax return completed for this year, you don't get a surprise about what you owe. All right, let's talk a little bit about the remote working, which so many people have done this year basically about, let's say, 20-25% of the total U.S. workforce is teleworking because of the pandemic. Talk a little bit about what happens when you are working, maybe not in your home, but maybe outside of your city or state of residence. What does that mean? Are there opportunities? Are there problems? What should people do? Yeah, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. There's a lot of people that have sort of left their primary location and gone to another area, or maybe to be closer to family or something like that to work. And you might find yourself paying income tax in a jurisdiction that you didn't expect to be paying income tax on. And you might expect not to pay income tax in the place you were in when you were working in the office. Uh, but you might still owe that. So this is a really interesting situation. And we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out for certain people and for certain places. Some states and or cities could be more aggressive than others on how that gets handled. I think the most important thing you can do here is talk to your employer, make sure that they know where you are and what you're doing. And I would also talk to your tax repair to make sure that you're aware of any new taxes that you might owe or any taxes that you might not owe in the pa- from the past places you've been in? You know, one of the funniest questions we keep getting is like people are, you know, rubbing their hands together and thinking like, oh my God, I spent so much money on my new stand-up desk and my enhanced computer, my new iPad stand. I got a ring light. I got all that. And they want to deduct those expenses. Can you explain where things stand for employees and the money they are spending on basically upgrading their home offices. What can they do? Yeah. For employees, emphasizing that E, meaning that they don't work for themselves or have their own business. But if you're a W-2 and working for another company, there's really not a lot of ways that you can get benefit from deducting those expenses. The thing you need to do is go back to your employer and say, hey, I had to expense these items. Will you reimburse me? And those are deductible by the business, and they should be willing to do so, but I'm sure not all will. But from a personal standpoint and your ability to deduct those expenses on your tax return, that's going to be pretty tough. 
Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, the 2017 Tax Cut and Jobs Act basically eliminated it. You can't do it. You're done, right? That's right. So, and yeah. But if you are self-employed, of course, you can take a home office deduction. But, <laughs> gang, we are going to use a word here that we will explain to you. Do not be a schnorrer. Michael, would you like to say what a schnorrer is when it comes to um, the home office deduction and how people should proceed cautiously? Yeah, yeah. Another way to say that would be don't be a pig about it. Don't overdo it. You know, do what's what's proper and correct for yourself there. And make sure you do deduct any expenses you have if you can. If you're self-employed, these are legitimate business expenses if you're buying things to enhance your ability to do your job. So, Michael, also weird thing about this year, no required minimum distributions. So if people can afford it, um, how about the qualified charitable distribution in order to get some money out of those accounts without having to pay tax on that? What do you think? If you need that money, of course, you still should potentially take it depending on what your options are. But as you point out, Jill, a really good option if you're charitably inclined is to still take that requirement minimum distribution in the form of a QCD or qualified charitable distribution. That would be a great way to take pre-tax dollars and give it to charity. Yeah, I know. it's And they need it. Boy, do they need it. All right. Let's go to the sort of uh, normal year-end planning stuff. A lot of people have huge gains this year. It's been an incredible and crazy year. What is it about what they should be doing. And so many people are saying, you know, if it's not a retirement account, I don't want to take the gain. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, start selling stuff, have to pay capital gains tax and start over. What are the options for people who are looking at potentially trying to maintain some balance in their portfolio, but not wanting to pay the tax that's due? I would say there's a couple of things to consider if you have some gains that you might be inclined to take or think you should be taking if you're overweighted towards something. First is perhaps there's other losses in your portfolio that you can take that will offset those gains. If you were comfortable enough or strategic enough back in March when the market was getting hammered and took some losses at that point in time to rebalance, et cetera, you might be able to use those losses to offset your gains now. So that's number one to think about. Two is that as we head into year end, there's two ways to think about this. One is I want to take those gains now in my current tax bracket because maybe I'm in a lower tax bracket today, uh, this year, because of uh, lower income or something like that. Or you're fearing that next year there might be new tax legislation that would increase tax rates. Well, then that would incentivize you to take those gains again like I say, now. The other thing, though, is you know we're not that far from year end. And if you feel that next year would be a better year to push that gain off till, you can hang on to that security till after January 1st and sell it then. But keep in mind, you're just exposed to the risk of it during this time. Yeah, I think that that's a really good point about the tax rates, because if you think about it, you know, if you're single, if you're a single filer, you're in the 15% tax bracket for long-term capital gains, all the way up to 440 grand or so. I guess it's 18.8%, whatever. But you know what I mean? That, that that's For some people, this is that weird Medicare surtax. But, you know, so that you could basically be paying long-term capital gains at a 15 or 18.8% rate for um, a pretty wide swath of filers. So maybe it is better to take that gain at that rate 
rather than wait around to see five years from now. We don't know what the rate's going to be, right? That's right. That's, that's a perfect example. I think the other thing to consider, too, is we were talking about charitable deductions a little bit. So if you have a, positions and in, in investments that have appreciated and gone up in value, those are some of the best things to use to give to charity. A lot of people have heard of this, but too often they just write these checks because it's easier and faster. But if you give these appreciated securities to charity instead of cash, you're completely avoiding paying the capital gains tax on that appreciation. Plus, you get the regular deduction you would get anyway. So that's another thing to think about as we head into year end, and maybe you're more inclined to do it through charity. And, you know, I think that the idea of having some control over your taxes in the future is really starting to hit home for a lot of our listeners who have been asking about that. That goes back to the conversion of the retirement account, but also getting money out of retirement accounts and, you know, sort of avoiding taxes and doing doing good for others. I'm wondering what you think is sort of the under-the-radar tax move that, that we keep missing. What, what is it that we should be talking more about that we're not talking about? I do think that number one is the idea of giving those appreciated securities because I see time and time again where people donate substantial amounts of cash and are paying capital gains in the same year. I think the other thing also just sticking on the charity theme for a second is non-cash or non security-related contributions. You can still donate goods to charitable organizations and get a tax deduction for that. A lot of people, especially now, maybe spending more time at home or cleaning things out, give it away to charity. You can take a deduction for that. But don't don't like try to fool the IRS and say, yes, I'm giving away my couture clothing to charity and um, taking, you know, a gazillion dollars worth of donation <laughs> for charitable and keep good records, right? Yeah, don't be a schnurra. <laughs> so, Michael, as as you look ahead into 2021, uh, tell us a little bit how you see the landscape for the economy. And for markets, I mean, what are you preparing your clients to think about as we head into a new administration and a new year? Well, first thing is I'm an optimist. So even in these brutally tough times right now, I'm an optimist. And I do think that there's been some good news on the horizon. As terrible as the death rate seems to be and the illness rate from COVID, we do have some good things coming about. It does look like we're going to get a vaccine pretty soon. And it does look like we have a government that does want to continue to support and stabilize the economy. So I think those are two big things. Keep in mind also, the stock market is a leading indicator. That means that when there's bad news, perhaps, and the stock market can react in the short term, that what the stock market is really focused on is what's going to happen in the future. If you're an optimist and you believe things are going to be good in the future, well, then the stock market will likely be doing well. Uh, next year, because it's going to be focusing on what happens as we come out of COVID, not in the worst parts of COVID. Thanks so much for listening. Tomorrow, a whole nother part of that interview, more year-end planning with Michael Goodman. As always, wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 